Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Wrestle Culture. <clears throat> in your ring, in your ring, zombie, WWE, zombie. <laughs> hey, I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Phil Chambers and Michael Hamlet from What Culture to discuss all the goings on in wrestling and review WrestleMania. Right. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Phil and Hamlet. And before we dive into the week's events and uh, what happened at WrestleMania Backlash, Phil, can we get a quick chicken update? A chicken update. Still got all of them. Yay! <laughs> and the, so that's a good sign. They're all caged in. Uh, yeah, they're happy little chickens now. It's all good. <laughs> I realised as I was saying that, I was like, uh-oh, I'm taking it to my life into my hands if he's like, a fox got in and they've all died. So. <laughs> <laughs> then I was all, then I was all the chickens, but they know when to follow the rules. So oh. okay. <laughs> Phil, what did you make of zombies at WrestleMania? I was... I specifically, actually, lumberjack zombies. <laughs> I was going to say, just before we were starting the podcast, I was like thinking in my head, I was like, I wonder what the podcast is going to be about. And then you weren't mentioning it. And then you started and I was like, oh, yeah, WrestleMania Backlash was like five days ago. And I've completely <laughs> forgotten already. So that's probably not the best sign <laughs> coming out of that pay-per-view. Uh, but yeah, zombies. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. It kind of came out of absolutely nowhere. It makes no sense. Is The Miz a zombie now? John Morrison wasn't a zombie, but he got attacked. But the Miz got, I guess, more attacked. Maybe John Morrison managed to get away. So that's how he got out of his zombification. But are we going to get a mi- zombie Miz coming back now? It's all very strange. And then they just did the Lumberjack match again anyway on the Raw, just without zombies. It's so crazy. I get that they're doing the tie-in for the movie and things, but just keep it to a 24-7 skit backstage. Don't turn the entire match into zombies when you're trying to establish a star in Damien Priest. Such a weird <laughs> show, this because, like, it's, it's, I've described this as a roller coaster on a write up of it recently. Because, like, there were some flashes of really good stuff, like the WWE Championship match was bonkers. We'll get into that in due course. Roman Reigns versus Sorrow obviously was great. There were issues that I had with both Rhea Ripley, Asuka, and Charlotte Flair, and the other women's match, Bianca Belair versus Bailey. I think we talked about this on the SmackDown preview. They're sort of holding stuff back and they wanted to do the whole hair stuff thing, and it just didn't really work. And then I just really quite enjoyed the Mysterios becoming SmackDown Tag Team Champions. And then, yeah, in the midst of all this, Hamlet, you alluded to it today, switching gears, they just suddenly decided, oh, we're going to have John Morrison go to the Lumberjack changing room and then discover that they've all turned into zombies to promote Batista's film. Now, Hamlet, you uh, had a few days off, but it's one of those things where even if you say to yourself, you know what, I'm just going to get out of the loop for a bit, like you can't avoid... There's bloody zombies at WrestleMania Backlash. Tell me, tell me how you found out about it and what you thought about it. It was honestly like it was sort of imagine taking the Monday to just decide to like enjoy WrestleMania Backlash at your own pace for change, like not watching it live or not doing the coverage or whatever. It itself 
sort of became a zombie. I was just trying to go about my day, and then every now and then there'd be this, oh, like this lurching creature coming from like places I couldn't understand because it was just obvious. Something about it was like kind of like leering towards me and trying to like, well, eat my flesh basically, which is what WWE's been doing for the, like over thirty years now. Um, yeah, I watched Backlash at my own. <laughs> it was weird. So like, I watched it my own time and split it up a little bit and like quite enjoyed, like Seamus Ricochet was really stupid on the kickoff, but the match itself was pretty good. Um, I, like I, I really enjoyed the women's three-way that opened the show. I was with you, Wilborn. It was really nice to see the um, tag titles change hands. And I took a little break, didn't I? I like, I kind of, I didn't really take into full account what the hell John Morrison was on about. And I came back to Miz and Damien Priest. I was like, oh Jesus Christ. And then like from that point, I kind of, I watched that and then thought, do I want to watch the rest of the show or do I need to go and see the reactions to things? I don't, like I didn't want to get like the main event spoiled, so I ended up going and watching the show through properly. But then that explains how WWE even exists because like I'm just living through that experience again. I watched the zombies. I thought about going to see what the response to this was because it's an absolute disgrace. And then I thought, no, actually, I'll sit and watch the rest of the show. The uh, the zombies haven't me, haven't put me off watching the rest of this. It's not stopped me engaging with this godforsaken thing. That's how they win. That's how WWE wins, and it always will. Because it's just like, oh yeah, the zombies, yeah, the absolute bloody disgrace. It's just uh, Bianca Belair and Bailey next. Yeah, I'll stick around. I've like just like that guy from the wire or something, just waiting for like one last fix. Just like yeah, I've got on five more minutes. If she's if she finishes it with her hair, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Like everything's be all right. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun, like to watch and think how awful this was going to be received. And I think I said this on like the Raw review. I was. I think it's more of an indictment on WWE that people aren't like weren't more disgusted with this. Mm-hmm. People have become bizarrely acceptant with whatever they fart out. WWE, like there is good stuff. There is genuinely. We'll get to loads of it, but the bad stuff at this point is so like commonplace that there's no surprise anymore. The example I used was there would sometimes be like massive criticism online if two matches in a row had featured wrestlers working the leg. Mm. Like, that's a bloody disgrace. You can't do that to like a cardinal sin. And like now guys' eyes get ripped out and people get eaten by bins and like, zombies follow the rules of a lumberjack match. It's just, like nothing registers anymore because like nobody cares enough to make, to to want it to register. And that to me was the biggest indictment of zombie gate. And I'd, I'd forgotten the zombies in NXT, of course, in the yeah. Get with Grimes versus Dexter Lewis match. They, some of them are getting more ring time than half the people on the Raw roster. That's the first time in ages that NXT's been an actual developmental show, isn't it? So they've obviously <laughs> done their drills down there around Halloween time and they've been called up for the main roster just after WrestleMania. That's how it always used to work. Oh, God. <laughs> so just to clarify, zombies have made an appearance on a pay-per-view Quicker than Slapjack has just. To... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's this was away. so hard as well, though, because it's like we went through that period of them doing all the cinematic matches and stuff like last year, and it, they just got more and more like ridiculous and stuff as time went on. And it came, came to a point where you were almost looking for that match on every show because they were going to mm. have something because it was a silent era. They didn't have the Thunderdome and everything. And I think this one's just come so out of the blue that it's just like, wait, what? Like, we've finally settled away from the kind of ridiculousness of, of WWE last year that this one's just come out of nowhere. And, and I just, it makes no sense. If it was, like, within the context of all of those shows, we probably, like, wouldn't even be talking about it. It'd be like, fine, yeah, stupid thing, let's move on. But it's just because it's so out of context. And now within the Thunderdome setting, it just feels so so much more out of place than it would have done just like six or seven months ago. We should have known. I'm now forever going to be suspicious. And when I'm making my notes on, you know, previews for pay-per-views, I'm going to look to see what this pay-per-view is brought to you by. Because obviously we've had like, you know, thingy as... Uh, the KFC. The, yeah. yeah. You've had... Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, you had uh, Bugs winning the title in a yeah. in an old spice <laughs> commercial, and now you've this. So the next one, I dread to think. Let us know your suggestions on <laughs> what sort of <laughs> what tie-ins they could do in the future. I dread to think what the comments on Twitter are going to be like off the back of this. Uh, but Phil, main event time: uh, Roman Reigns versus Cesaro. 
I just thought it was great. I think me and Hamflet just heaped more and more praise on not only what they're doing with Roman, but with the Usos. Uh, I want you to talk mainly about what you thought about the Cesaro match, but yeah, SmackDown is just in such rich form with, with this family feud going on right now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I loved that main event. It was so good. Um, I don't think we were expecting anything less, to be honest, from Cesaro mm. in his first ma- major main event. Uh, but God, he didn't disappoint. Um, just, I loved how they put across how Cesaro managed to take Roman Reigns like to the absolute limit and the amount that Roman Reigns sold for him as well and sold really, really well. Um, not only in his getting frustrations of, oh my God, can I actually like beat this guy? But like when he was in moves and things, like he's selling them pain that he was in was it was just absolutely fantastic. And it just made Cesaro look like such a bigger star than he probably ever has before, just because he was in there with a guy like Roman Reigns who is on the absolute form of his life. And it just it it all fit and it felt perfect. It felt comfortable and it was like it was right. And it was like, oh my God, this is Cesaro's moment finally. Uh, obviously, I don't think anyone expected him to win, mm. but I liked that they kind of kept the Usos out of it a little bit toward, until the end. Um, and now with sort of Seth Rollins coming down as well, you've got story beats that you can take out of this into different directions. And just <laughs> Jey Uso at the end, just the whole, let me at him, let me at him, let me at him, like scrappy do kind of <laughs> this, this little pit bull that he's like got at the end of his leash because he's just worn him down that much at this point that he's just desperate to do whatever Roman Reigns is bidding is. Um, but yeah, absolutely loved it. Like I say, made Cesaro look like the absolute star um, that we've always kind of known he can be, mm. but has never really been in that position and like pictured as that within the WWE system. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was absolutely spectacular. And some of the stuff that they were coming out with, it was just, ah, oh, loves it. So good. That springboard off the rope straight into a Superman punch was just such a yeah. wonderful series of, of move maneuvers and oh the bit where reigns has got he's obviously targeting that arm which i thought cesaro i mean no surprise sold brilliantly sold so realistically yeah but he's sending a personal message to daniel bryan whilst he's trying to break this bloke's arm just uh, the little things like cesaro like switching up his arm and things that he's doing it and it's just it's stuff that just makes sense but it just makes it feels so much more real. <laughs> it's amazing how much you can get a baby face over in defeat without shenanigans, isn't it, Hamlet? Yeah. Um, so refreshing that they actually just beat him clean in a hard-fought match where he's lost to the better man on the night when at points he looked like he might be able to get it done. Um, just book, just trust your talent to tell the story and be relatively polished with your booking and people like fans will accept it like nobody now was suggesting that Cesaro was buried on Sunday because he like lost the match this strange crippling fear they have over how fans will receive baby faces if they lose matches um like the reason I think less of Ricochet is not because he lost to Sheamus it's because he stole his hat and pretended like he'd won that could just just toss a behavior Cesaro like you know went down like a hero yeah just tried his hardest. Imagine that. Like sometimes it's not going to work. Maybe it will another time. Um, Roman Reigns like had to put a shift in. And for what we know about Roman Reigns, that tacitly puts over Cesaro as a guy that gave him a hell of a fight. It's uh, like it's basics, really. Like that sort of stuff is just basics. Um, but yeah, as Phil points out, like really stunningly executed basics. Really, really great match. I don't think it's gonna like. I don't think it's gonna trouble any like match of the year conversations at the end of the year, truthfully. Um, it was like, it was great, but like not awesome. It didn't quite hit that level. Mm. Um, I do wonder like how fans might have responded to Cesaro's push over the last month, had they been in attendance. A, a, a lot of people have been clamoring it for it for years. And it sort of feels like in terms of like main event run, this might be it. Like he might have had a go and then he'll start becoming a baby face setup guy again. Um, but it's been nice to watch. And, like Cesaro, in ring, he never lets you down, Cesaro. So, like the match was as great as the match was. It wasn't a surprise that it was great. So it was. It was just nice to see them deliver on like what I imagine were like fairly high expectations internally. Hamlet, you mentioned the women's matches there. I don't really want to group them together in terms of just like oh, here's the women. But it, I felt like both matches, I enjoyed them, and then just felt a little bit let down, and therefore my memory of both matches due to their finishers, they weren't really botches. 
It's like the Charlotte one where I was like, well, why hasn't she got in to break it up? And yes, commentary said, oh, she got knocked off the apron. But I was like, I didn't see that. And I you know, can't hear the commentary because we're doing the live stream and what have you. My word, doing that bloody zombie thing with Ben Roy Turner was, was quite the test <laughs> for me. Um, and yeah, Bianca Belair and Bailey was obviously like we like we alluded to on the SmackDown preview, Hamlet. It was hair stuff with keeping plenty in the bank for, well, potentially money in the bank, I suppose, or, or hell in a cell as it comes next. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Both finishes were clunky. Um, the, the triple threat in particular, it's a, it was a strange one for them to kind of botch the production of because, you know, Charlotte, I guess the camera did eventually cut to Charlotte, who was on the floor looking shocked, but it was after the three count and I was exactly the same as you. I'm wondering watching why she hasn't run in to break up the thing when we just had a triple threat match where the whole point is you're constantly reminding the audience that there's somebody on the floor. So they'll have stuff going on in the ring. The camera will cut to the third person recovery and they'll come in. You keep them hidden when you want to have that like element of surprise. So the fact that the camera didn't cut to Charlotte, your wrestling fan brain is trained to the idea that she's going to slide in and break it up because you don't know where she is. That They weren't able to tell you the story to the point where the commentary had to do it. I believe in that line that you said, I believe that came in the replay. Yeah. Because it was as if this this thing had, they'd realised that this thing had been missed. It's like there was a, a kind of, a, like a not a plot hole as such, but... There didn't seem to be any clear reason why Charlotte couldn't break it up. It, like only slightly undermined the match for me. Um, I, I did think the match was pretty strong. The Bailey Bianca finish didn't so much as undermine the match as it did define it. Like there was a couple of times when they didn't really look on the same page. Um, we mentioned this on the SmackDown preview. Like I want to give them a bit of the benefit of the doubt because like they had to follow the zombie stuff. I think it was like the show's vibe had changed drastically <laughs> off the back of it. Um, you know, it wasn't even promoted. The zombies, like they didn't even tease. Like there was no theme around it at all. Like, so I think like that that's going to have this like bizarre sort of shock effect on the show at large. And it's going to take like a couple of matches to turn around from that. Bailey and Bianca were stuck in that a little bit, but the finish was a little overcomplicated and poorly executed. And I don't think it was just it wasn't it just wasn't the best night for either of them. Mm. Um, there's a better match in them. There's like high stakes rematches there if they want to do them. But, you know, and I don't know what Phil's sort of take is on this, watching this every single week for review purposes, where you do get into the weeds quite a lot. Like, I don't think the booking of Bianca Belair has been very good at all as a weekly television character. And as much as I wanted Bailey and Bianca to be great on the strength of their ability, I didn't really buy the story going in. I don't think they've particularly done the work to get them there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think... SmackDown, like women's division as a whole, has fallen a long way from the heights of Bailey and Sasha uh, at the top of the card. Um, and it, I mean, we saw it in the Sasha and Bianca Belair build to WrestleMania that was lackluster at best. Uh, and then they managed to pull it off at the end with a, an amazing match at WrestleMania. And this as well was just, it felt very, like the build to it on SmackDown felt very secondary in WWE's minds with all the sort of Roman Reigns stuff that's going on. And like, you get that that's sort of the main focus of the TV show going forward, but it doesn't mean you can't put as much effort or at least some effort into the <laughs> rest of the show. Um, and yeah, the women's and especially Bianca Belair has fallen down a lot in that respect. And leading into this, I was really hoping for another WrestleMania kind of situation where they just come out and yeah, it's been a bit of a crappy build, but when you get to the point where you're just putting the two performers together and it's like their moment to shine and and they come out with an absolute banger and it just wasn't quite that it never quite well it never even really came close to the heights of Sasha and Bianca at Wrestlemania and it's just and the finish as well it's like they just seem like they just can't have definitive winners if they know that the story's going to continue at any point down the line and I don't understand how they've got to this point where they're like afraid to make people lose (laughs) like you've got a champion and the champion's Bianca Belair and you want to push her as this strong champion. She's already like taken down Sasha Banks at WrestleMania to take down Bailey at the next one. It doesn't mean Bailey can't have another match down the line. It just means you've got an even stronger Bianca Belair for her to go up against. And I just don't understand how they just can't make people win definitively in these situations. And the, 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 this be perfect for a, you know, cry baby here like Bailey is just lose and then pretend it never happened or make up some nonsense excuse that we all know is kind of bollocks. But yeah, she's easily good enough on the mic to explain it away in any kind of situation. And yet they have to go with the surprise victory. And it's just, 
uh, it's just boring at this point. Really, really boring. Phil, you are a nice man. You have chickens <laughs> and, a, and a, a, a very good boy. Uh, so I'd love to know your thoughts on if we are heading towards Dominic Mysterio, Electric Chair and his dad uh, next month on Father's Day. Because me and Hamflet are convinced <laughs> that this is happening, especially now they've won the tag tiles, which was a lovely moment regardless of all that, especially with Dominic hitting the, uh, the finish. It happened at WrestleMania, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what, what do you reckon? Is that is that just our sadistic minds or can you see something like that playing out? I I don't know. I think it might, it might be a while away until we get there. But I want it to happen just because <laughs> I, I can imagine like Ray would probably want it to happen as well. Because if you if you imagine like you pitch this thing where you kind of only stay in WWE because like you're going to get your son an incredible deal out of it in the same, in the same place. So you've got to think he, he would kind of a bargaining chip with as to how he's running WWE has been so long and so successful so far. Um, so you like, and you pitch all these scenarios in your head and you're like, I want to be like tag team champions with my son. That'd be like this amazing moment. And you get to that. And then what's the next logical thing? Once you've done that, it's the father son feud. And then he puts Dominic over as like, what better thing can you, can you do? Like if you're either on your way out of the business, I don't know if he is on his way out of the business, but you know what I mean? Like as a, yeah. as a pitch of a, of a dream things to do when you're having your son there in WWE and you're getting to wrestle with him. Like first step, tag team champions. Next step has to be a feud at some point down the line. So I've no idea how, when that might be. Maybe they'll push it more out towards SummerSlam or something like that. I could maybe see. But I do want it to happen somewhere down the line. I don't think it's going to be as quick as Father's Day, though. Although that would be amazing. <laughs> I just I love it. The, 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 the synergy of it, being, of it being on Father's Day at Hell in a Cell. I think June 20th, I think it is. And then, like I haven't alluded to this, I didn't even think about it that much in, uh, in terms of this long-term plan. But I haven't, but yeah, the, the fact that you could get to Mysterio versus Mysterio at SummerSlam, the historical location of quite a lot of history, especially with one Dominic Mysterio, and also like, yeah, you can if you want, you could probably have him in a Money in the Bank match, or just have him go away for a bit until Rey Mysterio returns from in, internal injuries and anything you want to do with that. But yeah, that's just it's right there, Hamlet. I think so. Um, yeah, I think it's like it's a nice idea to do Mysterio versus Mysterio at SummerSlam, as I pointed out in the preview, just for like his Dominic Mysterio's rich history there. Like it'd be one year on from his debut. There's quite a nice bit of symmetry, obviously. Of I don't need you now, Dad. Um, if you're even my dad, because I watched another summer SummerSlam on Peacock, and I don't think you are. Um, it's fun for them to like play with that a little bit. And I quite like... I mean, sorry, I really hope they go down. You're not my real dad. <laughs> Just it's like, there's enough heels that... So like Rey Mysterio, like the eternal evergreen baby face that he is, there's enough heels that would quite probably enjoy being the devil on Dominic's shoulder as well. Mm. So in the build, you sort of obscure the fact that Dominic's still very much in training and a work in progress by, I don't know, the likes of Baron Corbin or someone like whispering in his ear, like, that was pretty cool what you did to your dad. Like, if you ever want to go and, like, hang out in rough places, you, you come to me, I'll take you to a biker bar. You know, we just see, like, gradually the fact that without the sort of protection and supervision of his dad, he's becoming more and more corrupted by some of the more nefarious colleagues that he uh, shares the ring with in WWE. I don't know, I just, I just think there's, like, I think there's fun to be had, but ultimately, especially in, like, a singles match, Ray would want to do everything he could to get get his son over, get his mm. son established. Um, and yeah, just the electric chest, such a great turn. And they know it is, like they know it is, they know that's such a perfect way for him to like, like to flip as well. If only they hadn't ruined the whole Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy, Mysterios thing, could have tied it into that somehow. Yeah. <laughs> if they didn't do that for six months and it'd go nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Knowledge on screen that like, like they'd split up. Buddy Murphy and... Uh, I have no idea. I think, well, Murphy came back and explained none of why he <laughs> was, like, didn't explain how him and Aaliyah had broken up, I guess that must they have happened. Up, and yeah. also didn't explain, like, just kind of gave a nod to Seth Rollins when he was doing one of his preachy backstage segments. Yeah, I and then, yes. I mean, and then he mainly disappeared at, like, two weeks after that again. So, who the hell knows? <laughs> uh, talked a lot about stuff going on on SmackDown, but Hamlet, 
surprisingly, the WWE Championship match was bloody good fun on Sunday. Yeah, great. Um, way better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I hold my hands up. I just had, like, the lowest expectations going in because the story was miserable. Um, basically, the, the match on Sunday was everything that, like, I think the story was trying to be which was, oh, my God, these big men do big things. Isn't this exciting? It was like, no, I'm, I'm sick. Of, somehow you've made me sick of watching this. I <laughs> um, saw, like, a, a great tweet where, like, and I apologise to whoever it was. So I, like, I can't remember the handle. But, like, WWE had uploaded a GIF of the uh, – it was on the go-home roll. You know, when, like, Bobby Lashley got slammed through the barrier and, like, their official account had just tweeted, unbelievable. And then, like, the guy that had quote-tweeted it, tweeted, all again, all in capitals, Believable, <laughs> the sort of stuff that happens all the time. Um, and yeah, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just that, like pay per views are a better setting for it because you're not exhausted with promos or pointless like interstitials or whatever. Um, it didn't, there was nothing else on the card like it. So, the again, like you know, credit to these WWE pay per views, typically they're quite well agented. You have your like your hard hitting Roman's Reigns match, you're going to do a big, my big boy match, you do it in the way that they did here got your zombies in the middle of the card. Like they always think about how they're going to like lay things out for the benefit of stuff. And yeah, I was like thoroughly impressed with the energy levels of all three. There was no, there was no even attempt to dress this up like a spot rest, spot rest, like it's like psycholo- psychological big man brawl. It was just like, just do all the bumps, do all the bumps and just keep on bumping. And I can't, I admired the grift of it. Because I like, I kind of thought, well, look, they're like, this is a, a 10 minute con job or something, but I cannot, like, I can't not be entertained by it because, like, look at what they're all just doing to each other. Also, Phil, as a former wrestler, what was Braun Strowman going for as he came off the apron aside from attempting to break his own neck? <laughs> Absolutely no idea. It felt like a, these are athletic big men. Well, anything they can do, I can do better. Watch me. Here I go. Uh, but yeah, it was really, really good fun match. Really loved it. Um, Bobby Lashley seems to really enjoy being thrown through the set. It seems to happen to him quite a lot, especially with Braun, when Braun Strowman's involved. Um, and now it's happened again in a very similar fashion. Um, but yeah, it's just like big beefy boys doing big beefy boy things. What's not to love about that? And now apparently Kofi Kingston's the number one contender. <laughs> hey, at least it's something different. We've been... They've been they've, <laughs> Run this Bobby Lashley, Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre thing into the ground yeah. uh, along with Braun Strowman. It's something new. I'm down for a bit of a distraction with Kofi Kingston and Bobby Lashley. Obviously, Kofi's going to lose to whatever that happens, whenever it happens. It's all very strange and come out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, it's something different. and gotta, gotta love that. Also, I'm not sure how I feel, uh, considering I know what wrestling fans are like, about WWE going... Here's all the Instagram uh, tags of all the sexy ladies that came out with Bobby Lashley on Raw. I was worried about that pamphlet. I was like, uh-oh, we know where this is going. Uh, they thought they'd just like got a pretty good payday for one day's worth of work, and they've since had to lock their DMs. What a week. What is Bobby Lashley's character at the minute? Like, when, he, when they were building him up to be world champion, it was great. Like, he had MVP and his manager, and he was just, big ass kicking bad guy dude and it was great and they built him up really well he ran through loads of different people finally got his way to the top fantastic ever since that point he seems to change like every couple of weeks as to what exactly he is and now he's some kind of money bag dude who comes out with loads of women it's like there's just odd little changes but none of them make any sense whatsoever and they just don't fit with who they've presented him as i don't understand it Odd little changes, none of them make any sense whatsoever. Um, cut to somebody reading Vince McMahon's alterations five minutes before Raw goes on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Bobby Lashley makes no sense any given week. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? A try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Now, before we get to this week's hashtag bloody good quiz, which is a bloody good quiz, trust me on that one. Uh, one final thing, Phil, uh, you obviously, uh, you may or may not have seen what happened on the kickoff show. We had Ricochet versus Sheamus, non-title match. Sheamus won, then Ricochet attacked him and stole his hat and his coat. Did it again on Raw, saying he was channeling Ernest the Cat Miller. And then on SmackDown, of course, you've got Shinsuke Nakamura stealing King Corbin's crown. What is WWE's obsession with wrestlers stealing stuff, mate? <laughs> who knows but they will never ever stop doing it uh i just hope the nakamura thing is some kind of hint at a king of the ring tournament don't care how they do it if it's just a smackdown thing i'd be fine with that but i love king of the ring it won't be it'll just be <laughs> he's a king of strong style and he's king Corbin. let's make them fight over a crown that'll be the the gist of it forever but yeah who knows and rico ricochet didn't even do the ricochet joke yes What's this? It was right there. He was doing possibly the worst Irish accent I've ever heard. He didn't even do the Ricochet joke. I quite like the idea of us just like referring to him as Rico from now on. Like he kind of, like you're shouting for a pass and he plays in your local five-side team. Oh, Rico! (laughs) Right there. It's just like any way at this point in which something happens that we reduce the superhuman skills of this like unbelievable <laughs> should be a billionaire because of his ability athlete to just i don't know little cheap gags at his expense i think only highlights wb's ineptitude with him he takes a really good bro kick though yeah oh, lush yeah <laughs> when are they just gonna turn him heel and just make him be look at me i'm fantastic and just have that as his character it'd be so much easier maybe that maybe it's all one big plan so they can do Get him to be Prince Puma again and just be like, oh, give him a crown. Everyone gets a crown. You get a crown. You get a crown. Like, if you were going to nick something, like, no offence to Seamus. I love him, and I'm slightly terrified of him, and I'm probably related to him, if I'm considering. Uh, but he, I wouldn't nick his hat and his coat. I, I'd a championship belt. <laughs> I'd, yeah, nick his belt, or I'd nick <laughs> Seth's suit, or I'd nick Riddle's scooter. I just... I, I, I just don't understand why they're obsessed with stealing things, especially the baby faces, Amphlet. They're all, like, all these baby faces that do it as well. They all just come across like complete tossers. Like, <laughs> all's maybe a bit unfair, because, like, Nakamura looked pretty great in the crown and people could get very excited about the King of Strong style for a couple of days. But it's like, the booking is worse than just, oh, there he is, putting on somebody's coat. Like... Your arsehole, mate. Like, he's just been beat as well. So the, the goal of him to, like, do that and then be like, oh, now it's kind of 1-1. It's not a score draw, pal. Like, <laughs> if anything, you've just lost the match and then scored an own goal. Like, <laughs> and then we get the same nonsense on Raw the next night. Um, Again, it's like, a bit like the Zombies. Maybe NXT is developmental because Cameron Grimes was getting his hat nicked by Kushida about a year back. And finally, that story has now graduated to the main roster. <laughs> So maybe maybe like there's going to be a network special on that storyline, getting a call up and how emotional it was. 
Like, uh, you know, the, the writer that first crafted the stolen uh, objects story was given the call by Vince Man. Heard good things about you down there on uh, NXT. I want four baby faces stealing items this week. Go. And I said, just, that's his task for the week. You ever have that thing where you say, oh, yeah, someone told me this, and you just repeat back to someone the thing that they told you? Because <laughs> I do that a lot, obviously, with lockdown and, and not knowing what day or time it is half the time. But, but do you reckon, like, we talk often, Hamlet, about, like, what's your thing? He goes to Shinsuke after all these years. What's your thing? Well, I, you know, you kind of ruin the whole entrance thing and then brought it back when there was no one there and, and didn't really change anything. But I suppose I'm king of strong style. Thief, cool, got it, right. <laughs> Go to the pay-per-view. What's your thing? I'm insanely talented. I can do defy gravity. I got over in NXT saying two words, and he said, show me, didn't he, to to Velveteen to Dream. Did that, flipped out the ring. and went, <laughs> Thief. No, Vince, you've already done that one two days ago. Probably said something like, if I can't get over in your wrestling company, Vince, I'll, I'll eat my hat. Steal your hat. <laughs> Love it. Love it, pal. Get out there. Do your thing. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts on everything we discussed and what happened at WrestleMania Backlash, particularly those bloody zombies. Uh, at what culture WWE. But enough of all this. It's now time for a bloody good quiz. And this week's quiz is brought to you by Vitopia. Thank you for your review on iTunes, even though it was one, one star. <laughs> Balance it out. Give us a five-star review if, you, if you've not done it so far. What culture is <laughs> on iTunes? Leave us a five-star review. Because Vitopia writes, low blow. Don't clickbait my podcast by including win-loss information in the title. Oh. I mean, don't look at your phone. Watch the pay-per-view first. I mean, it's not my fault, all right? And also, I often half I don't even know what that one relates to because whenever I write about pay per views, I make sure I write who left with the WWE Championship. So, calm down, mate. It's probably it's, it was probably like a spoiler from NXT. <laughs> I mean, calm down a little bit. But anyway, this <laughs> quiz I had a bit of fun with it. Is all about supernatural gimmicks. Of course, it is. <laughs> I have lovingly crafted this earlier on today. Uh, usual rules, gents. Shout out your name, multiple choice. Wait for me to come to you. Uh, and it's 10 questions, and it's always just for fun. Gents, are you ready to go through the history of supernatural gimmicks? Yes, yeah. Please. Okay. Question number one. Who was the Boogeyman's first match against? Was it... Nunzio, Simon Dean, Orlando Jordan, or The Miz? Phil, I'm going to go with Simon Dean just because I don't think you'd put Simon Dean as an option. Been enjoying the Simon system quite a lot on our Raw reviews recently, but it was Simon Dean. Uh, I think he interfered in Survivor Series prior to that, but his first official match was with Simon Dean, who had to be dragged out by security to have the match. Problematic. Uh, question two. Started off quite easily here. What date when spoken would send Coon? Pamphlets. Well, May 19th. Yeah. I didn't even, I wrote down April 20th, April 1st, and December 25th are the other options because I knew you'd both know that one and wouldn't even get to my option. <laughs> Christmas Kane. Uh, right. Question three. Andy Murray be all over this. Who was the first wrestler to receive a bloodbath from the Broods? Pamphlet. Oh, check wow. you out. I will caveat this, as always. It's not necessarily the right answer. It's the answer I've got written down. It was the one I found when Googling five minutes. Who got bloodbath first by the Broods? Uh, what are you going for? Say again. Al Snow. It wasn't Al Snow. He wasn't the first. I think he was second. Phil, do you want the options? I do, yeah. The options are <laughs> Al Snow, <laughs> Ken Shamrock, Tiger Ali Singh, or Road Dog. Go for A, Phil. Go for A. A. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I have no idea. I'm going to go with 
Road Dog? It's not Road Dog. They've all been gunged. It was, in fact, Tiger Ali Singh was the first uh, one. Yeah, that was the other According one. I assumed it wasn't going to be Ken Shamrock. <laughs> some random old WWE article that I found. May not be true, but who cares? Uh, question four. Demon Finn Balor made his first NXT appearance at what takeover? Was it Unstoppable, Evolution, Fatal 4-Way, or Rival? Phil. Oh. Was it Evolution? Alongside Hideo Itami, it was indeed Evolution. <laughs> uh, ended uh, Hideo Itami's NXT career in one fell swoop. It's, it's like the bit in The Simpsons where, like, they see that like lovely little lamb, and then there's an even cuter one. Like, Get out of the way, you! <laughs> <laughs> I think they faced the Ascension. Hopefully, you'll remember. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, the Ascension had been bullying uh, Hideo Itami, so Finn Balor showed up, and it was like, ah, oh, these two guys. Like, they're both wrestlers in Japan, so they're probably friends. And then they put them together and, like, Bala came out as the demon. And it was like, oh, Christ, he's a big deal. He's his partner again. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this that little guy? <laughs> uh, now, question five. Two, two, one, as it stands, Phil. I will admit that, that Hamlet will be of a, a slight advantage on this one because we did review it for the five-star review review this week. But how long <laughs> is the Sandman versus the ECW zombie? Is it... <laughs> 10 seconds, 12 seconds, 14 seconds, or 16 seconds? Phil. Oh, Phil. Going to get in there, just on the off chance. I'm going to go with 14 seconds. It's not 14 seconds. Uh, is it 16? It is 16 <sighs> seconds. All it is, Phil, it's worth watching this, is him twatting the zombie <laughs> right on the head, like on the forehead with his signature <laughs> Singapore cane, breaking it over him and then hitting a white Russian leg sweep, I think is what they describe it as. It's excellent. It, it, it is, I say what it is, it's exactly how you remember it. <laughs> <laughs> did he spend longer busting himself open with a can of beer in the intro than he did in the actual match? Actually, go and watch that video because in the comment section... There's or maybe maybe not one. I think maybe the comments have been uh, turned off on that. But one of the other uploads of that, someone writes a very detailed explanation why zombies don't work in wrestling. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Actually, maybe he doesn't bust himself open because this was WWE CW. Yeah, true. WWE CW. So it was like, well, I can do whatever they like within within reason. We don't do any of that. Also, randomly, presumably because I watched that. The uh, Heyman promo from One Night Stand popped up, and I will forever laugh. If I ever stop laughing at it, I think I'm done. At Heyman saying, Edge, I've got two words for you, Matt freaking Hardy, and Edge spitting out the beer and then going, that's, that's three words, that's three words. <laughs> uh, right, two each with five questions to go. Oh, I love this question. I was trying to write a question about Mordecai and I just uh, just lost all interest. So I instead wrote one about Kevin Thorne. So question six. What was the name of Kevin Thorne's tarot reading sidekick? Was it? I'm sure. Jazz oh. Ariel? I worked really hard on these names. Sorry, <laughs> Jasmine. I should have known where that was going. I should have Jasmine, Marida, <laughs> Belle or Ariel. It was, yes, of course. <laughs> Ariel, I told the story many a time, but uh, one of uh, Anna Louise's best mates' kids has has just all all wrestling figures, just collects them. His mum just buys them from like car boot sales if they're just random ones. So he's got like eight different versions of Kane or whatever. His favorite wrestler is Sin Cara, so that's a little bit awkward. Um, <laughs> But he was showing them to me because obviously I'm the only other person that's really interested in them. And uh, he went, oh, look at this one. It's uh, Sting this. And I was like, that's Kevin Thorne. <laughs> oh, I don't think it is. He went, no, it's Sting from WCW. And I'm like, it's got like sideburns and a red tie on. I don't think it is Sting. If I want. <laughs> uh, right. Three, two to Hamlet. Question seven. When did Matt Hardy first become broken 
Was it 2014, 2015, 2016, or 2017? Phil, 2015. It's not 2015. Ah, I know what it is then. <laughs> 16 is. Yeah. Basically, I was thinking because we had him in WCPW in 2016 and I didn't know how long it had oh, been yeah, going. So I went with 2015. Yeah. Uh, question eight for two. Who eliminated Papa Shango from the 1993 Royal Rumble? Was um, it? Oh, hang on. Ric Flair. In 28 seconds, it was Ric Flair. Do you know what option four was going to be there, Hamlet? Uh, Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund was one of the options. It was going to be Bob Backlund, Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase, or the Berserker. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm glad, you, uh, I'm glad you took a moment there to fill that missing link. <laughs> <laughs> Question nine. 5-2, but it's just for fun, as always. For how many consecutive years did The Undertaker win best gimmick from the Wrestling Observer? Is it four, five, six, or seven? Phil, why not? Seven. Oh, good. It's not right, though. <laughs> um, I don't, I'll, go, I'll skew low. Was four the lowest? Four was the lowest. I'm going to go four. It's actually five years, 1990 to 1994. No points on offer, but do you want to, can you tell me who won best gimmick to knock him off his perch? 95. 95. I think it was, yeah, it would be the WCW, yeah. Also, it's not Diesel. Um, <laughs> the Giant. It's a very good guess. Let me just double check this before I, because I'm 99% because it was such a popper when I read this. List of Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards. Here we go. Best. Best gimmick. Yeah, it was. Was it the Giants? No, it wasn't. It was. Start off 1986, Adrian Street, Ted DiBiase, Rick Steiner, Jushin Thunder Liger, Undertaker, 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 Undertaker. Disco Inferno! <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! It's some. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a quiz about Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards one day because there's some really interesting ones here. Who held the best gimmick awards prior to CM Punk winning it in 2009? Cena. Cena's a good guess. It's not Cena. Santino. Yeah, for two years running, Santino had the best gimmick. Excellent. Which is funny because for two years running, like your best gimmick has been Santino. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, there you go. So he did win. Okay. Kevin Nash did win one. I mean, he won it for the NWO in 1996. I he also won it for in 1991 for worst gimmick. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> promotional tactic for the finger poke of doom or something. Oh, wow. 1996, the worst gimmick was shared between three people. Fake Diesel, fake Razor Ramon. I mean, whoever has shared gold deserves a silver underneath those two. Go on, who was it? <laughs> it was the real Double J. Oh, uh, God, yeah. Which wasn't, <laughs> yeah, in case people playing, playing along in the, at home, was not Double J. It was Road Dog. It was. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Mordecai won in 2004 for the worst gimmick. I could have asked that one. Well, then. At least, at least somewhere Kevin Thorne can isolate the words Mordecai won. <laughs> That's in 2021. Yeah. So your gimmick, what's your thing? Your thing is, you know when you're like, reverse an image? Do that with The Undertaker. <laughs> Good luck, mate. Uh, right, final question. What did Bray Wyatt first project onto the ring during his match with Randy Orton at WrestleMania 33. Only three options for this because the match so flipping short. His, uh, his ruined hopes and broken dreams. <laughs> Not. Phil, your options are maggots, cockroaches or worms. <laughs> Let's go with wriggly worms. 
it wasn't. It was in fact maggots. And this uh, is token. I, I watched it back. I just want to make sure here. Uh, I've got these in the right order. <laughs> then it like happens. <laughs> it cuts back to normal. Bray White's in the ring, looking really pleased with himself. And the fans are like. projections you were at that one Phil Uh, no I wasn't at that one that was the one there didn't you or was I which which one was that yeah that was the Hardy one wasn't it then yeah yeah it was I must have just completely blocked that out of my memory (laughs) I was looking for this and I found a a very good ups and downs article written by one Michael Hamflet where surprisingly this was a down from WrestleMania (laughs) (laughs) who knew Oh, I'm going to see. I could have obviously written 10 questions all about Bray Wyatt. I was like, what supernatural bollocks should I go with for Bray Wyatt? Because we've got quite the selection to work from here. But anyway, uh, that has been this week's a bloody good quiz. Congratulations, as always, to Michael Hamflet for winning it. I don't know if that's an achievement or not, knowing about all the supernatural bollocks. (laughs) Congratulations to Phil. (laughs) This one with a bit more dignity and self respect. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to blame my loss on the fact I've just been spending the last few hours watching Mae Young give birth to a hand for retro ups and downs on Sunday. So oh. that's that's kind of just all consumed my mind right now. <laughs> if, if you if that doesn't make you want to watch retro ups and downs on Sunday with Miller <laughs> trying to get through that, I don't know what will. Um, uh, the show gets entirely downs. Wow. Oh, wait, no, I think there's one up, one up. He what also calls it the end? worst raw of all time. So... <laughs> So come watch it on Sunday. Worst Raw of all time, or as it's known now, every week's Raw Ups and Downs. <laughs> Just Monday Night Raw. <laughs> uh, right, let us know uh, you, how you got on in the quiz and your thoughts on everything we discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Phil Chambers at... At PhilMyChambers. You can follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet, and you can follow Adam Wilborn at... Adam Wilborn, follow us all at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, loads of good stuff coming your way over the weekend. Uh, me and uh, Hamlet are going to be talking all about the WWE releases. Me and Sid will be talking about the major news surrounding AW and their TV deals as well. Both those podcasts coming out over the weekend. What Culture Wrestling, just make sure you subscribe. And hey, watch you there. Leave us a five star review on iTunes, and I promise. I'll try not to spoil any pay-per-view results going forward. So uh, thanks very much for the uh, the one-star Vitopia. I'll, I'll, I'll be better, I promise. But this has been WrestleCulture. My thanks to Michael Amper, to Phil Chambers, to you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Wrestling! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.